Welcome back to the podcast series Because We're Curious, made by DancePod with Scornest Dance Theatre in collaboration with Tans Congress 2022. I'm Kit, a dancer in the ensemble of Scornest Dance Theatre. If you're listening in order, and don't worry if you aren't, then you'll have heard my fellow dancer and podcast partner Samuel introduce the subject of curiosity and chat to Leila Diallo about cultivating curiosity outside of dance meeting and sharing spaces with people, repeating and sustaining curiosity, and the many phases of it across a career. Curiosity and expertise, building frameworks to have a healthy creative practice, and the importance of extending and practicing your awareness and listening to the world around you. Next up, I'm chatting to Paulina Powalik, a dancer and teacher, and also a master's student in psychology. She graduated as a dancer in 2019 and is forging a path for herself as a freelance performer and the creator and teacher of her online Feel Good Dance programme. She's performing at TANS Congress 2022 with unusual symptoms in the work Harmonia by Adrienne Hodd. In this interview, Paulina speaks to me about breaking habits and exploring the everyday functionality of movement and everything that the body is capable of. She tells me about finding curiosity in the different bodies of others and being curious within the context of a choreographer's vision. Paulina also looks at dance as a way to improve well-being and talks about refocusing the mind away from negativity and self-criticism. I hope you enjoy listening. Hi, Paulina. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. That's amazing. Super excited. (laughs) We like when we do an interview to just begin with some silly warm-up questions, Mm -hmm. just to get used to the context and talking. So I think we should begin like that. So do you have any pre-show rituals that you do before going on stage? Oh, that's a good one. Um, so what I always do is like I do like plank just to get the whole body in like one piece all together and like really warm up. Um, I like to do yoga before as well just to ground myself and um, really centering myself like thinking good thoughts um, going into the show with like a positive feeling of uh, maybe giving away responsibility as well that it's mm. not all on me, but also that it might be, um, yeah, that it might come to me as well, that it's not all like I have to give everything and it's all on me. It's like also letting go a bit and saying, okay, maybe I move through something else or I'm inspired by someone else on stage. Or, um, but really this grounding and um centering myself before a show is really important for me that's super nice I love this uh, this thing about giving away responsibility yeah because I really felt like 
even like maybe in this process we did now with harmonia or with like unusual symptoms, um, because it's all improvised. Oh, well, it's, it's a set improvisation, it's like a score in a way. But um, like often you think, oh my God, I have to produce amazing stuff now and I have to give everything and I have to shine and I have to, you know, like so much pressure. Um, that sometimes it's super, I don't know, it's such a nice relief when I feel like, okay, it's not a lot of me. Um, hmm. Yeah. That there might be a creative voice that comes through me, but it's maybe not connected to me as much. I, yeah. yeah. It's a, maybe it's a bit spiritual, but that really helps me. I think, <laughs> I mean, there's something, there was something in the question anyway, like I appreciate ritual, like there's something spiritual there anyway but I, I i i totally recognize that needing need to to give it up to something else to, to yeah. kind of take that burden off your shoulders so that you can exactly. dance yourself as well and it's yeah it's just about enjoying that mm. um but sometimes maybe you might forget or i forget a lot that oh it's about joy as well you know yeah um yeah is there something that you're deeply grateful for right now? I think I'm really grateful. Maybe that's very stereotypical, but how my parents raised me, being really open to things and not restricting me to what should be, and maybe from their perspective. Um, that all comes back to dance as well. Like obviously parents always try to give you a safe and secure uh, future <laughs> and want you to study maybe law or medicine or something. And my parents always been very open to that mm. about like, also um, regarding my siblings, like being very open um, what we were or what we were choosing. Um yeah, and I think this openness to different cultures as well, that, um, yeah. Yeah, that I don't have, I don't have much prejudice, which I really am really grateful for. And I think that's all just comes back to my childhood. Mm. Mm. So I thought that uh, perhaps instead of me introducing you, you might like to introduce yourself in your own words, like who you are, what you do, this kind of thing. So I'm uh, originally from Germany, but I live in London currently. Yeah, about myself. So I studied at Northern School of Contemporary Dance, did my bachelor's degree there in Leeds, that's in the north of England. And then I went to do my master's degree with them as well. And that was connected to apprenticeship with Kantuko Dance Company in London. That's basically the step how I moved to London. Since then, I've been working a lot of like freelance projects. Um, I've been teaching. I'm currently working for Kanduka as a teaching artist. Yeah, teaching workshops. We perform for them, uh, which is really amazing. And then during COVID, I was teaching on program. It was like good, feel good program. It was really about like, yeah, making people feel better during COVID through movement as well to keep that balance alive. Yeah, between body and mind. And that actually leads me to um, that I'm still studying. I'm doing an MA in psychology at Northumbria University in Newcastle. And it really gives me that extra to the dance. So 
yeah, I found it super, super interesting to see the connections between body and mind. And that might be something I want to look into more. Um, I'm dancing with unusual symptoms from Bremen and Germany at the moment. And we're going to perform in Mainz in June, which I'm super excited to do. <laughs> yeah, it's like lots of little bit, bits and bobs, but that's me. <laughs> So it can feel, uh, I think, like a bit of an impossible leap to go from from training as a dancer to, mm. to working as a dancer. And I don't know if you have any reflections on, on how you made that jump or what it felt like to make that jump. It's, um, for example, one of those things I really appreciate being a dance artist now, like coming back from training, is that... Um, your voice is definitely more appreciated and uh, acknowledged. So as a student, I always felt like, oh, um, they put something on me and I have to do it like they want to, like choreographers or even the teachers or, you know, like to just really build your skill set. I'm like looking back to it now. I know, okay, this is to build my skill set and I have to do these things. I might not want to, but it will definitely help me in the end. And now as a dance artist, having that freedom and um, um, yeah, and also never stop learning. Like, because I think when you come out of university, you think like, oh, I have it all now. It's all in my baggage. Um, it's all, <laughs> I have it all in my rucksack. I'm prepared to do anything. And that's not it. Like, um, I think throughout all these different projects I did, I learned so much more and I'm still learning and exploring my body and my skill set and uh, widening, widening my interest as well. So, yeah, also knowing that, that it doesn't stop, you don't stop learning. So hmm. uh, that's one of the really important things. Now, if we were to, to zoom forward to the present day, how would you describe the point where you are artistically right now? Because um, I know you're a performer, you also teach and you work in different uh, kind mm. of contexts and places, but how do you yourself characterize what you do these days? Mm. I think I really took on autonomy of what I'm doing. So I think like when you're a dancer, sometimes it's very driven by like commissions uh, of the company or the rep you have to perform. Whereas I really see myself now as that I can choose what I want to do. I can't do like the whole range, but I really pick, okay, this might be good and interesting for me. This might um, lead me into that direction. I don't know, this could be something I can develop more. And this is maybe not so much like really kind of um, navigating my career and what's um, healthy, but also super interesting and might be a point of development. So I see myself um, maybe as an explorer still. So um, navigating myself through this uh, business kind of, <laughs> what yeah. it can be and what it can't. So also, um, seeing what pro projects might come up, um, yeah, different ways of performing, for example, or different ways of teaching, um, yeah. Mm. 
Are there any particular highlights from your experience as a dancer that have maybe propelled you to where you are today? So one of my definitely one of my milestones was when I was performing with Kanjuku in the Royal Opera House in London. That was when I when we um, performed the last thing. It was like an opera for families. It was like a Christmas opera, and it was a collaboration of musicians with disabilities, of actors with disabilities, and a mixed abled company. Uh, which was Komduku. And I think that collaboration also really directed me into a certain way or like in a certain interest because that was like just wow. We had like one pianist and she was blind and she was insane, like insane. And you just think like, what is the human body capable of? And I think that is like really a wow effect. Yeah, this curiosity in the human body and the mind and how you can adapt. That is really something that is one of these wow moments in my career or was one of these wow moments in my career. Yeah, that was, uh, I, I saw that piece and it was fantastic and a lot of a lot of talent going on on stage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <we say>. exactly. <laughs> now, if we um, dive into this question of curiosity, this... Mm -hmm impossibly broad question of, of curiosity <laughs> and try and find our little patch how do you define or characterize or imagine curiosity like what does that word bring to your mind I see this like little creature in front of me that tries to sneak into like all kind of different you know small gaps uh, even if I think about this room now like into the gaps of the sofa and tries to look what's there with like big eyes <laughs> that's what I see uh, yeah that's how maybe I would picture curiosity but it's also this electric energy in the body when you like oh this is new and then you want to like go more into that direction so yeah I think like curiosity is for me that's um so you get a taste of something and then you want to like explore the taste more because it's so exciting so new so different so there's really this sense of, of scouting, of noticing, exploring, yes. Being super aware, like taking everything in in that moment that you sense, not just in the body, but also like, oh, you know, when you're reflecting on something, oh, wow, that 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 is cool, that is different, that is new. Do you remember any, any moment that you felt incredibly curious like do you do you have any sense of when you felt the most curious mm, that's a good question I think like in this process now we've had with Adrian Hart um, for Harmonia she really she is quite provocative and not only what she basically present, presents to the audience but also quite provocative uh, with her dances so we did this like two hour, three hour improvisations with tasks that are sometimes, yeah, a bit crazy, a bit ridiculous. <laughs> and um, there was one of these tasks. So it was about like the functionality of the body. And um, for example, that someone who sits in the wheelchair to turn, to make a turn, he needs to use a different functionality that someone who uh, might stand off on both of their feet. So she was really playing with functionality and um, yeah, she called it 
anti-logic. So you do movements, but in a very not logic way you would normally do them. So to get up, for example, from the floor, you don't like put your legs down and then you get up. It's more about like, okay, maybe from the back, I can come up, you know, like roll up from the back and then someone on the side and then come up. And then when you explore these things, like sometimes it's like, oh, wow, that is such a different way of moving and like breaking these habits and breaking um, the everyday functionality of movement. There was something super exciting to explore and that really stuck with me. Comes from something very interesting as well, because I think especially like if you think about disabled bodies and non-disabled bodies, what you call normative and non-normative, but it's not only about like maybe body shape, but also our movement shape. And I found that always super exciting, like in uh, mixed abled companies that movement can look so different and it gives so much to the arts and um, that really excites me. See again, what's possible, like, what is the human body possible, uh, capable of? Yeah, and how, yeah, how else can the human body move that we haven't thought of or or embedded in our tradition mm. of what dancing is? Like, what exactly. else can we bring in? Exactly. And so you mentioned that you did these like two to three hour long improvisations for this mm-hmm. creation. <laughs> <laughs> how was it to approach that? Like, how did you approach doing a, a three hour improvisation? Mm, see, she was really also curious in this process of like, okay, the first layer is a superficial layer, the thing you think of first, and then you go deeper. And I really understood that process and understood the way she wanted to approach things and that it's from a deeper level uh, under all these layers. So because I really like long improvisation as well, because it gets you to a place where you're just not thinking as much anymore, but like really diving onto the sur- under the surface and like going through the mud really. <laughs> Um, and seeing what's there to exhaust the exhausting the exercise yeah it is this curiosity because I'm also curious okay what's going to be revealed today and that really helps and is um, I learned a lot in that process also about my body which was beautiful Hmm. were there I mean you just gave an example of a question that you were asking during the improvisation were there other questions that came up for you um throughout this this process because some people frame curiosity as as questions uh for me sometimes it's like even sometimes in the piece uh because there is like a durational it's like a durational part in the piece where we do like also have one like kind of score or exercise and sometimes i'm just thinking okay what else can i do okay i did this before now it's repeating but what else is there? Um, what different ways are there? Like I want to find something new. I think that's super important. Ah, I did that before. I want to do something else, new, different. Mm. But within the task, not like getting out of it, but like, oh, I'm repeating myself now. So what else is there? Yeah, I think sometimes those kind of the simpler questions can give mm. the most complex answers or or can be platforms to to go further and deeper or so maybe that persistent questioning if you just yeah exactly it's like it's like nagging yeah Yeah. it's like (laughs) nagging in your head 
it's like always becoming pain. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you um just mentioned the idea that you were questioning but that you and looking for new things, but having to do that within the the context of what was mm-hmm. appropriate for the choreography. You know, we're both dancers and often mm-hmm. we have to find avenues for our curiosity within the context of someone else's vision, a choreographer's vision. So I'm wondering how you see that. How do you find that within perhaps Harmonia, you have avenues for your own curiosity to explore? Or are you exploring the choreographer's curiosity? I think maybe in the beginning, when you get into a new process, it's really about like maybe the choreographer's curiosity and like finding also finding out for themselves what's interesting for them and then it becomes more of a curiosity for me okay what can that be um but also what i like about working in a yeah commissioned work or um, work by someone else is that there are things you mightn't think of so these tasks we did i would never have thought of and then that helps me to explore that more or like build my curiosity around that more was maybe the things I come up with. Yeah, there's the things I have in my mind, but that might not lead me as far as it would be um, if someone else gives me tasks. So I think even like if you do like a solo improvisation or something, it's always very useful to have someone else in the room or have someone else give you the tasks. So yeah, it might maybe seem like, oh, you're exploring someone else's vision, but then you're also exploring your horizon and your yeah, skill set or what else might be there. So I always find it very enriching to work for someone else's idea, yeah, ideas and visions and hmm. yeah. There's something really live about it like I um I recognize in what you're saying the the liveness of Mm. contemporary dance that it's you're constantly meeting it anew and we doing it and repeating it and these questions that you're asking are very much like what is it now what is it today what is this is that um something you have a sense of like of of how do you repeat curiosity because sometimes I feel like we're expected to go on stage and and repeat this thing that we've we've done before. Mm. Even if it's an improvisation, it's still repeating a, a score or a structure. And and finding curiosity in that repetition is 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 difficult, as you've kind of just yeah. said. <laughs> exactly, because you never really go into a piece without any anticipation or without any expectation or without you've done it before and you met you met the task before, you met the different bodies before, um, but maybe looking for the small details now um, mm. and maybe also different ways of joy. Um, yeah, it's a tricky one. It's really tricky, but um, yeah, but it's about like keeping it alive as well because you have to keep it alive for yourself to make it joyful and something um, joyful for the audience, but also um, yeah, to keep the to keep the message of the piece alive. Mm. And I think like in pieces like Harmonia, or even like in the Lost Thing, because 
you're always working with other bodies as well together in a explorative and improvisational way yeah that also the curiosity about the different body you for example i have a duet uh, with young one in harmonia and it's like the beginning of the piece and that's also quite durational and it's always like also exploring okay what's uh, what's the different body at at the moment what she what is her body at at the moment is there does it feel differently today so I think like harmonia always gives us nice space to explore still. And you you mentioned a minute ago also finding the space for curiosity. Mm. Um, and I'm wondering, thinking about a space for curiosity, what, what does that kind of space look like for you? What is a context in which you feel your curiosity could thrive? What, what would that, what situation would that be? How would you create that? I think like the space for curiosity is like a, it's a space that's free, but it's like it has boundaries. So I think in a space of like total freedom and eternity, you're overwhelmed by possibilities. But a space that is like has its like boundaries and has its rules, like a score or um, a task you're very focused on one thing and that uh, gives you in that way a space to explore that specific uh, task or direction. So for me, it always needs to be like kind of a condensed space. I see like this light room in front of me. That's not too big, but not too small. Just right. Yeah. <laughs> the Goldilocks approach to curiosity. Yeah, <laughs> Not exactly. too big, not too small. <laughs> So I think, I mean, we've kind of been talking about this, about mm. what you're thinking about when you're dancing, but I don't know yeah. if there's anything else you could add to that subject of, of what goes on in your head when you're dancing. Um, I think I think a lot about like how it looks from the outside. That sometimes annoys me a bit. It really varies. Like it really varies what I think while I'm dancing. So sometimes I have moments where I'm like, thinking a lot about how it looks or I feel like I'm very driven by the music or it's more like the outside circumstances circumstances that yeah thrive my dance but then also I have these moments where I'm like oh I'm like just relieved and I just feel like I'm really like in the dance or like in the moment and these moments I'm really like that's why I'm dancing for I think for these moments um, where I'm just really enjoying myself and my body and how it moves and uh, without thinking too much. And these, yeah, these moments, um, I wouldn't even know when they come, but they sometimes they pick up and then sometimes uh, they stay for longer and sometimes for shorter. But yeah, when you just like completely feel amazed by everything, kind of like a bright energy again, like a bright positive energy. And a state of real experiencing. Exactly. Well, of just pureness. Is there anything that you do to fuel your curiosity? Um, I think sometimes it's also very essential to have other dances in the space. For example, that was for me sometimes in COVID. I was also teaching improvisation classes, but I obviously was by myself in the in the room. And I had uh, my participants on screen, but for many it was also nicer to just turn off their screen and um, to be 
yeah, to not be seen, to really be um, left there by themselves so they can just really go for it uh, without feeling like, oh, someone is observing. So I think those moments were a bit tricky for me because there was nothing I could like take inspiration of or no one in the room. I think to fuel my curiosity is also seeing what someone else does. And I'm like, oh, I want to try that too. Or like, oh, that looked nice. Or that seemed to feel very amazing. I think those moments uh, when I'm with other dancers in the in the space, I take it in. Like I really take in what the, what they're doing and what their bodies are performing and exploring and experiencing. So I can think of uh, one way in which you're perhaps feeding your curiosity, which is that you're currently studying a master's in psychology. Before I ask more about that, I'm just wondering how did that come about? Um, when did you begin that and, and why? So I started that uh, last July. So it's been almost a year now. It's a two-year program and I study it like on the side part-time. So it, um, yeah, so I can do both, like to keep continuing my uh, dance career and also study the MA. So after, so in COVID, during COVID, I was teaching these daily classes, online classes, and they were really based on how can I provide something that really stabilizes people in a way through movement. So I did like daily morning classes to really uh, let the people focus on themselves first before they do the other things they have to do during the day. And I think especially during COVID when you were at home, everything merged into one work, family, homeschooling for people, yeah, private life, like family life, it all merged to one. And for me, also not only for myself, but also what I felt like within my friends group or families or people I, I would participate um, was this urge of like, okay, first center, centering and feeling what's there before I can like head on to doing different things, like centering myself, feeling how I am doing today, uh, focusing on myself first before I can focus on anything else. And um, yeah, over that time, I really felt that helped me, but also really helped others. And um, I called it the Feel Good program. So it was like a, a dance program consisted of like many different classes so these morning classes that were more like pilates and yoga based and then i did improvisation classes ballet classes yoga classes stretching classes like also um like relaxation classes as well like a bit more meditative classes exactly and then i think from that i really like i got just super interested in how the mind works and how the body and mind connection works and I was always interested in like relationships between people as well and how like different energies can shift between people and I think as a dancer you always because you're constantly reflecting and um, checking in with your body you also know how much the mind influences the body so for example even illnesses can come up through always negative yeah feeling negatively about something or yeah I, I think I was just in general super interested of how um how big the mental health is actually how important it is 
Yeah, because they, they are so so linked. Like you say, there's there's the mind body connection. There's um, there's how mental health affects dancing or, exactly. or the body, but there's also how using the body affects mental health. Yeah, it's insane. It's actually crazy how that is only coming up now as well, or like the past years. Um, how important it is and that it is so connected to everything we do and um, yeah even from my own experiences when I was like in the UK as a 16 year old and being so homesick and that the only thing that really like helped me was this dancing on Wednesday evenings yeah and then also throughout my studies that you are throughout my training that you are um, so driven by self-criticism as well and self-doubt and you seeing yourself every day in the mirror and you're comparing yourself uh, to the other students. And there wasn't really that much of mental support and you were doing your training and then you would go home, eat and sleep. That was like basically the day. I, I think I really missed that mental support. And I think many people, many students could have gotten so much more out of their studies if there was the support. Also in auditions, like you can get so much more out of them if you go in with a different attitude. Yeah, I think like realizing all these like different bits really uh, made me do these studies. And um, so this kind of self-criticism, this... Uh... Mm self-defeating kind of attitude in that sense what do you replace it with how do you how do you replace that I don't think that I necessarily replace it but I try to look at uh, things differently so because you can't just like throw thoughts out what you can do is like basically turn the reel around and see it from a different side so for example if it comes to additions uh, I'm trying to think about like seeing this as a first of all also opportunity if I like the company of, or if I want to work with them but not only for them to test if I'm good enough like this good enough uh, thought it's like one of these big thoughts I think as a dancer but also like trying to have as smart as much fun as you can in it like okay this might be like a workshop today where I learn something new I might meet people I've met before. I might meet, meet, meet people I haven't. I probably will learn new material. I will maybe engage in new tasks. Yeah, just really like try to shift the perspective rather than think, okay, this is a test for me today and they're going to look at me. They're going to judge me. They're going to check if I'm good enough, good enough for them. And yeah, yeah, mm. trying to kind of uh, shift those thoughts around. To refocus on, on refocus, some other exactly. aspect. Do you find, because I can imagine studying a master's in psychology, it involves a lot of, of theoretical frameworks. Mm. And it's, um, it's not only a different subject to dance, but it's a different approach. It's a more academic mm. approach. Do you find having those really rigorous frameworks useful for thinking about dancing, which is maybe a little bit more ambiguous it's it's very interesting because psychology is obviously like um comes from a very medical background and i know for example doing the dance study is like i think especially when it comes to disability that a doctor might say oh you're not able to do that you won't be able to do that but then okay because we know so much about our bodies 
as dancers that we know we are able to do that and we can explore that and yeah cut those cut those lines in a way or these rules or restrictions yeah I think especially like with the psychology you can like you almost can test those theories and that's what I like like is it is it really like that um really trying to test and examine um the theories and that might also be something that I'm interested later in like doing research based on a body-mind connection or yeah how you mm. can yeah kind of yeah test what's there written test it in yourself and then maybe yeah engaging new boundaries or like yeah kind of finding the new frames for it nice the way you describe that is almost like dance becomes this laboratory for the yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the, the exactly. theory you also mentioned yeah. uh, with regards to disability and the sense mm. of of sort of being limited by that medical lens being put on the dancing i just know from from working with disabled colleagues that that's been something they've really had to resist, like to replace that medical model with, I guess, the social model of disability and um, sort of understanding the way that it's that it's more in relation to society than it is in relation to a, to any kind of exactly. medical condition or anything like that. Definitely. I think you can even like I think Paralympics is one of the biggest examples for that that you can. Uh, <laughs> It's like such a big evidence for like what the medical model gives can be, yeah, can be defeated. Like the medical model is not a rule for everyone in that way. And it's like, yeah, I think Paralympics is such an amazing example about like the capabilities of the human body in any different way and shape and form. Yeah, and I think as a disabled artist, especially with so many like, prejudice but like almost like pre-assumptions been made around you and then you look at them and think like that's not the way it is don't put this in front of me and shut me down in that way so and I think it's also a cultural thing like in some cultures it's really something still very very big and very restrictive a restricting thing and then in the UK, for example, I feel like it's already much wider and open and people are curious and interested. And um, mm. so it becomes more and more a thing. But then on the other hand, it shouldn't be a thing. That's like the, the constant conversation around it. Like, do I make it a thing or do I not? And yeah. Yeah. So I've been or we've been talking to some other guests about longevity in dance and sustaining a, mm -hmm. a long career. Mm -hmm. And I'm quite interested to get your take on this because I'm wondering if you have a sense of how you might continue forward in this profession. Do you have a sense of what might sustain you to have a long career? And, or will you, do you want a long career? Will you be dancing when you're old? Do you hope to be dancing when you're old? And how might you get that? Yeah. That's a super uh, interesting question because I'm questioning myself sometimes as well. Because also it's about like, at some point maybe you want to have a family and will my body then be able to dance? Yeah, of course it will be able to dance, but will I be frustrated that it doesn't maybe move as it was before having kids? 
so I think like just to like from really start of this uh, on this uh, question is like I think you can really sustain your career if you're healthy like healthy body mind connection taking care of your body um, making sure that you always check in with yourself and that you don't break yourself eventually I, I think that's very stereotypical answer, but that I think that is one of the main main ways how you can sustain your career for a long time, and that you yeah always find this curiosity if you want to like if it's something you want to perceive, always finding the curiosity again, keep exploring, keep learning, try new things, that it doesn't become something usual and normal for you. Also, I think about like breaking these pre-assumptions about dance and age, dance and being parent, dance and um, because it seems like dances or it's like pre-assumed that you can only be a dancer until you, I don't know, 35, maybe max, I don't know, um, like you have to be young to be a professional dancer. That's like one of these uh, yeah, it's quite a discriminative uh, thought as well, but that's mm. how it is still presumed at the moment. And I think like breaking that down as well, being brave and like, yeah, if you want to continue, just like, yeah, go for it. You know, not being like stopped by other people saying, oh, you're still dancing? Why? <laughs> yeah, and I really like that about unusual symptoms, the company in Bremen as well, because doesn't seem to exist that or like it's a very open company and very um yeah i think like yeah building those um companies and building work that's including like everyone not only meaning like yeah dance with different bodies but also like different ages like from different backgrounds like yeah all that is combined in this uh in this like diversity theme yeah, I think like really going for your own feelings and really going for your own intentions and trusting in that. Yeah. Nice. So that's unfortunately all we've got time for. But thank you so much for joining me. It's been a super great conversation and I'm really happy we've had it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. That was a quite enriching conversation. I just, uh, yeah again like sometimes when you get questions from someone else it really like uh, makes your yeah brain juices go running so yeah thank you so much and i'm excited to listen to it and um, see you in my i could identify with a lot of what paulina said being that i like her primarily dance in works by other people and allow that to feed my curiosity. I always felt there was a spiritual heart to how she works. I recognise in Paulina a desire to find her centre and to move outwards from it, to find a place of stability and belonging in herself from which to explore the often chaotic and destabilising contemporary dance industry. And a desire to find a centre in order to give over responsibility and just dance. She also really looks outside of herself at what others are doing in order to inspire and feed her own practices. In the next interview, Samuel will be speaking to Hilda Ingeborg Sandvold. Like Paulina, Hilda finds inspiration working as a dancer for others, 
though Hilda also has a very established independent choreographic practice. Hilda talks about being a sensation seeker and diving into effortful doing in order to fuel curiosity. This interview was a collaboration between Tans Congress 2022 and Dance Pod with Skornas Dance Theater. You can find more of our episodes on our website, www.skornasdancetheater.se, and on all normal podcast platforms. Thank you.